Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you besides making a ton of noise? <laughs> Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? I'm pretty good, Kirby. Um, I, I think you've drugged me kicking and screaming into this one. We'll get you in the mood sooner or later. Exactly. If you don't mind, would uh, we kind of use this off season for a bit of experimentation, change gears a little bit. All right. And I thought since uh, you were driving the agenda of, of this podcast, maybe I would let you ask the questions and I would just sit back and give glib comments. All right. Well, let's, we'll give that a shot. Uh, let's see. Late breaking news today. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh Kirkwood to Foyt has been confirmed. So my question there, Curb, is will the new Foyt team of 2022 be the worst IndyCar racing team in recent memory? Uh, since the days of Lotus, probably, you know, maybe. You've got Dalton Kellett. Okay. Nice guy. But let's face it. Right. You've got a rookie that is ostensibly the lead driver clearly the lead driver yeah yep in the in the 14 car and i know he's a very talented kid but pair him to a sebastian bourdais who is trying to help the team kind of get to another level in terms of setup and so forth i'm not sure that we can rely on kyle kirkwood for that kind of effort well you know we are talking about a racer that's won his last five championships contested um yeah i don't you know it's it uh doesn't sound great. There's probably some people that suggest that uh, he'd be better off to take his three races to a, a higher level team in the series. I think he's got nothing to lose. I think that everybody probably thinks he's in a hopeless situation. Take a year, get seat time, get practice time, get to know all the tracks, get familiar with things. And I'd bet you that Andretti or somebody like that is welcoming him with open arms in 2023. Well, the third uh, car is rumored to be uh, Tatiana Calderon well known for taking input and not sure this is going to help Kirkwood, right? If he's back of the pack all the time, does that really put a shine on his star? I think, I don't think there's any substitute for seat time, even if in a low level team, but there's seat time and there's reputation. I mean, it's really putting a ton of pressure on him, have some breakout races and stuff to where people notice. I mean, like you said, and, and I think that's asking a lot. I think driving for Foyt, the expectations are lowered greatly. If he can outperform expectations even a little bit, I don't think he can lose. He doesn't seem to have any alternatives right now. He was tied up by Andretti for so long. Well, I think it's a little different in Formula One where you get in in a backmarker team and you have kind of all the excuses in the world to be in the back. I'm not so sure in a spec series like IndyCar that the same applies. So I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Uh, You know, they did tease uh, that Bordet still hasn't given up on do something part-time, and they kind of implied it wouldn't be with Foyt. Uh, the other bit of news I saw this evening, and we'll, we'll go right to F1. Uh, did you see that they passed the Brundle rule? I missed that. So the, the uh, F1 has introduced a Brundle rule, which bans celebrity bodyguards from accessing the grid. You just don't mess with Martin Brundle, they say. I, for one, am very pleased to hear that, Curb. Another coup for Formula One, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I know you and I have discussed, uh, I don't think there's any reason to say we haven't the, the whole Martin Brundle grid walk at Coda and the encounter with, uh, Megan, the stallion. Do I know? I guess it works because I'd never heard of her before that day. Well, okay, Kerb, 
you're a dinosaur. So I know who <laughs> Megan the Stallion is. Okay, so let's okay. just let's just let's not use your knowledge of her as a indication of her relative fame. Okay. No, but I'm just saying that you know celebrities go at these kind of events to to gain more fans, right? And I'm, I wouldn't <laughs> say I'm a fan, but now I know who she is. She's pretty. She's pretty huge, okay, in that kind of world, okay? So, I, you know, okay. like I said. So right. let's just suffice to say she is. But she was fine. She was fine. She she was entertaining the question. It was her body cards that were being the jerks, okay? Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even more infuriating, Curb, I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For the second podcast in a row, we're going to end up talking about <clears throat> an esteemed yeah. IndyCar journalist. Right. Right. Um, so-called. So-called. Who so seems to be making an effort to uh, make monopoly on being the IndyCar journalist. Like there isn't going to be any article written about IndyCar without his involvement. Right. They, as we refer to him on this podcast, uh, was uh, had some intolerable comments, I thought. About how he, how he was going to school his good friend Martin on how to how to question or interview the American hip hop stars, I guess. I think it was. He was embarrassed for Martin and like you just you just don't go up to a celebrity and you know make them dance for you. And it, it wasn't that at all. It, it, what was so funny and not funny? I mean, it was infuriating about the comments. It was like you you can't go up to a celebrity and say that. You know, they're like special people. You know, you can't talk to them like normal people. It was outrageous. And I, again, what is they's and, qualification on how to approach a star? Well, and the thing is, is that she was like you said, she was gracious in uh, talking with him. What would have been condescending would have been if he would have asked her about tire choices for the, you know, for, for a driver or something like that. You know, she's this rapper. He asked her about rap. And did she have anything to to share regarding the race today. No, she didn't, but she was really enjoying being there. Everybody's getting along. Everybody's happy. Everybody has a smile until the, uh, the bodyguard comes along. Yeah. And, and, and to blame it on, to blame it on Martin Brundle is pick your, pick your uh, pejorative and I'll let you take it from there. I, there's so many things that I want to say, but decorum prevents me from saying it. And so I will just, I will just say this. I have to ask this open question to they, what would be a better question to ask? Megan the Stallion. Right. Well, Keep it in mind that she calls what's, what's herself. The, what's the, what's Keep the it in mind she calls herself Megan the Stallion, right? I mean, come right. on. Megan, let's, Megan, let's Megan, what's the, Megan, what's the total square inches of your outfit today? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is he supposed to ask her, right? right. I mean, I, you, uh, who's your favorite driver, I guess, or whatever. But he was just trying to go a, a little level beyond it. I don't think there was anything wrong with that question. No, but no. You can't approach a rapper like that. You gotta, you gotta bow at the uh, at the altar first, you know, before you, you you have to avert your eyes and look away as you ask the question. My God. See how see how they can apply the Brundle rule to the IndyCar grid next year. Yeah, I would let's, like. Let's adapt I like, that. I would like kind of a reverse Brundle rule where uh, they can't be anywhere near the place. <laughs> How's that? There you go. God. What a jerk. Anyways. <laughs> All right. So um, this wasn't on your preferred list of topics, so I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, do you make anything of the Ryan Hunter Ray testing with uh, ECR at Barber? I think he's got the job. I think that's what that says. Does that mean that uh, Connor Daly and the Air Force are not necessarily tied at the hip as uh, previously thought? 
I don't. Th- I mean, I don't think anybody's as tight at the hip as you think. And and let's face it, if there's a guy that looks U.S. Air Force, it's uh, it's Ryan Hunter Ray, right? Sure. Daly's performance last year was not stellar in any way. Uh, Indy 500 winner, guy looks the you know like the cut of his jib, and arguably I think uh, he did place higher than Daly did in the results, right? Um, uh, by, by by a mere one place and uh, 21 points. Okay, arguably a better driver. Okay, certainly certainly a better resume. Yep, doesn't wear a ridiculous uh, you know mullet. Give me Captain America. All right, so that's that's your prediction then. I'll mark it down. Let's see. They've announced uh, that the Detroit City Council or whatever you call them has approved the relocation of the Detroit Grand Prix from Belle Isle to uh, downtown location, or it looks to be around the uh, General Motors headquarters along the river. Uh, what say you? Good, bad, indifferent? I think we floated this idea when we were discussing the possibility of a Chicago F1, and that is, I think, is a great chance to involve the community in the removing of tires at pit stops, being a downtown Detroit location. Some, somehow I don't recall that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had it. Trust okay. me. We had it. I, look, I don't, I don't, did you ever go to Belle Isle, Kerm? I have not, no. For, somehow, for some reason, Detroit's never been high on my list of uh, tourist destinations. Well, exactly. Uh, you're In a way, you're answering your own question. And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe they see it as an opportunity to, you know, draw some people a little bit more into the, yeah, I mean, let's face it, the reputation of Detroit worldwide is like, you know, it's a, a vapid wasteland, you know, the, the, you know, once proud communities that's now just, you know, in tatters. And I haven't been to downtown recently, but I understand there's some regeneration going on and so forth and, and, and all that. So it's probably a good opportunity for Detroit to kind of show a slightly better side of itself, even though Belle Isle is beautiful, right? It, it wasn't quote unquote Detroit in people's eyes. Right. Right. Uh, I admire the effort and uh, yeah, why not? It is a picturesque as Belle Isle. I think you didn't see much energy fan wise and um, 50% of the track would provide uh, uh, free viewing areas for, for people in Detroit. You know, if you can make it look well attended and like there's a lot of energy going on, I think you're right. It could be a, a nice uh, two hour long commercial for uh, the city of Detroit. Well, Curb, we're going to have to think about this and there's going to have to be some planning because um, there is a resident rapper in Detroit, Eminem. So how is Eminem going to be approached on the grid? Uh, cautiously, I think. I, I think if I'm Eminem's a little testy, and you don't think you want to sneak up on him. Well, I think all rappers by definition are testy. Um <laughs> <laughs> right. What, what what about Kid Rock? Isn't he from Detroit? Yeah, uh, exactly. We have um, a, a face off on uh, on the grid between Kid Rock and uh, and Eminem. Somehow, somehow, Curb. I I don't think they will protest too much if uh, Kid Rock is approached inappropriately. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna bite my tongue and <laughs> go on. How about or continue our driver spotlight? Uh, last episode, we talked about Marcus Erickson. I think we ended up debating whether he deserved to be a top five uh, a predicted uh, driver for next year. But this week, Alexander Rossi, fading star or just a guy down on his luck and ready to come back and reclaim his place? Well, if I had to rank people that were disappointed by the F1 deal not going through, I'd have to rank it in this order. Michael Andretti, followed by Alexander Rossi followed by Colton Herta. Really? Yeah. You put Rossi ahead of uh, Herta, huh? Yeah. I think 
Rossi would have very much looked forward to not having to race against Colton next year. There's no escape. You know, he's had a, f- a couple bad years in a row here. He's been outshone by a teammate. He's no clearly no longer the leader of the group there. Uh, this is a make or break season. If he can if he can put himself back into the conversation, then he's going to have uh, opportunities at the end of the year uh, elsewhere, uh, you know, beyond Andretti. If he can't, then his career, in, in my opinion, is going to kind of follow that of uh, the latter years of Ryan Hunter Ray at Andretti. Uh, as a first move, as a preemptive move for next year, I think he should stop associating with Hinchcliffe. <laughs> Give, give up on the uh, the the off track podcast. Yeah, I think that and anything else because clearly Hinch has rubbed off on him far too much. Is it Hinch or is it their producer? Which one's a bigger drag on his performance? You're 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 raising my hackles this podcast, Kerb. You put me in this position. That's my job. <laughs> yeah, I I, I, <laughs> poke, poke um, the bear. <laughs> I find uh, I find the producer intolerable. The over under laps led in twenty. 21 season by Alexander Rossi over or under three? I know the answer to this question, but I would have said over all day long if I didn't know the answer. And all day long, you would have been wrong. He led two laps in the 2021 season. That's just amazing. Just hard to believe. They got a shiny new toy with Romain Grosjean. Does he, uh, does Rossi endanger even sliding to number three in the pecking order in his own team next year if he doesn't get off to a good start? Possible, if not probable. I'd feel better putting my money on Marcus Erickson being in the top five than Alexander Rossi. That will probably be a, t- a top five thing to watch for the season, uh, you know, to me, what goes on with him. Pressure's on. Pressure's on. I think you were traveling. I don't think you watched any of the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, I did. I watched uh, the first couple laps, maybe first five or ten laps, I guess. Well, well then you saw the whole race. Uh, yeah, by all accounts, uh, a real. I was talking to my nephew last night. He's who's one of these guys that got hooked because of Drive to Survive, right? And, right. and he, he he found it unwatchable. F1 uh, has sorted out, uh, in my opinion, a lot of their marketing, a lot of a lot of things, but they are still laboring because of the 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 condition of the cars, which supposedly they'll have somewhat fixed next year. They're going to a more, you know, let's face it, a more IndyCar like uh, type of deal next year. And that's probably going to help the racing. And that's that's the that's their chink in the armor right now is the racing is is not good. Well, that's for sure. Well, let me ask you another question because you follow this more close than I do. But I didn't watch the beginning. I caught the last five laps and I saw a 30 second replay of the start, which showed me everything that you need to see. But which even the announcer said at the end of the race, that was the whole race right there. That track. Did not seem particularly racy to me. Am I wrong? I think you are. I mean, I, again, I think it's the cars, not the track. And I know this more from uh, playing Formula One on Xbox than I do from <laughs> watching uh, Formula One. But yeah, there are a couple of places. But again, it's it's the cars curb. I, I just think any, almost any track there is is the cars. The the long straight leading into that turn is a definite passing zone, but it's also kind of like. Uh, turn one at portland right it's just going into that chicane it's just invites a lot of problems the one thing i would uh, suggest that indycar take from uh, the mexican grand prix you know instead of having pit lane behind the stands where uh, nobody sees them cars the top three cars on the podium pull up right in front of the stands right in front of the fans they got out there and did all their victory lane stuff right there where all the fans could see them and, and stay in their seats and cheer for them and i'd like to see indycar try to try to get their uh victory lanes in front of the fans more and not 
not out of the way. You know, I think they should pull out of that race curb, IndyCar, what they should gather from that. So they should have a race in Mexico. I don't think Pato awards quite a Sergio Perez quite yet. Um, he's not, but there could be a race there. I think it would be well attended. Always has been in the past and uh, always enthusiastic fans. And it's a it's a great market for IndyCar. It could be a really good market for IndyCar. Cars uh, unable to put anything like that together for themselves and uh, has to wait for an invitation. And they may be waiting for a long time. Yeah, no, no, well, I think you and I kind of agree on that. There's just a, an effort should be made um, because I think the value long term is going to be there. I mean, just in the demographics of the U.S. alone. In the U.S. or in Mexico? In the U.S. I mean, you know, obviously a, a massive increasing Hispanic population throughout our country, including the Midwest. Um, yeah, I, I see nothing but good out of it. Anyway, one other bit of news I saw this evening, uh, reported by David Land. Uh, Carlin Racing transporters were seen today at the uh, Uncos Hollinger Racing Shop. Uh, apparently, there's strong rumors that Carlin has sold uh, their equipment to Uncos. So mm. that may be the end of Carlin Racing and IndyCar and, uh, and the end of Max Chilton as an IndyCar driver. Well... It wasn't for a lack of trying. They were not able to execute uh, to the degree that was necessary for them to remain in the series. No. Kerb, I, uh, uh, as you often do to me, I would like to spring a question on you at the okay. end here. Um, That's good. You know, we've we've uh, we've we've tried this experiment, and we'll see how it uh, plays out. Um, please send your uh, scathing uh, comments on our Twitter feed, which is. Uh, at Hero, H-I-R-O, IndyCar, follow us on, on Twitter. Uh, if you like our new uh, our format, which kind of reminds me of uh, Spinal Tap when they went to uh, free, Freeform Jazz. Um, King Hero, send us an email at uh, kingheropodcast at gmail.com. That's K-I-N-G-H-I-R-O podcast at gmail.com. Curb, my question. Your question. Um, the rumored price of Andretti buying the Sauber slash Alfa Romeo team yeah. was about five five or six hundred million. Do you for eighty percent of it? Do you agree with those numbers? If I understood right, wasn't it like four hundred million for the team, and then they wanted to see proof that he had a couple hundred million for operating capital, something like that? Let's call it five hundred million. All right, for the sake of million. for the sake of my question, okay. Right. That is more than Roger Penske paid for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the IndyCar Racing League. But isn't that stunning for a backmarker F1 team to be worth more than that much physical property plus a plus a, a racing league? I mean, that's that says something, right? Well, it says a lot about the uh, the commercial potential in, in Formula One, I guess. And it also says a lot about the uh, changes in the commercial relationship that uh, that uh, Liberty has been able to create there in Formula One. The new agreement starting next year between um, the revenue sharing and the uh, cost caps on probably makes even a backmarker team's you know, profitability much greater 
regardless of their success on the track, right? Well, it's that, yes, but it's also the the uh, the revenue sharing off the 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 television rights, which is obviously huge, right? And now streaming rights. It also, to me, again, gets back to this issue that I know you always poo-poo me on is the concept of a franchise uh, system in uh, in IndyCar. It it sh- it demonstrates that if you if you handle it right, you actually will be able to build value in, in running a team. And I, I think that's what the franchise lends. And, and I, you know, um, let's face it. Um, you know, look, I, uh, I did disagree with you the last time it came up uh, over the summer, I think. Not only the Andretti saga uh, related to Sauber, but look at the Canassi, Chip Canassi sale of his NASCAR team. The franchise system they've established there made Chip Canassi a lot of money. You know, I, I may I may be softening my stance here. You uh, you may have been right, and I may be wrong. You know, IndyCar franchise probably isn't worth that much today, uh, but maybe that is the right time to establish the the franchise system. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a starter home curb. Formula One, I think, has a $200 million buy-in now for a team. Uh, so they've essentially got their own franchise system. Um, so I'm going to sit here and say that I was probably wrong, and you may be right, and uh, – It'd be interesting to see if Penske is able to push things in that direction in the next couple of years. But I think he's mentioned it before, um, not extensively, but I think it's been mentioned. Well, I think it's a it's kind of a no brainer. Uh, would I mean it would really, you know, look look at Carlin, okay? If if the, if the rumors are true, right? I mean, what did he get for that stuff? Nothing. How do you start the system? NASCAR. I think there was enough value there and enough people that wanted to be involved that um, freeze the number of, of teams, the number of cars, or however you froze it, and say you're all viable participants and you all uh, have earned, you know, to have a franchise established in your name. Uh, would Carlin, would you say Carlin's really risen to that level as an IndyCar team? I th- the answer To answer your question, I think the way you do it is you just make it very cheap. Right. It's not going to be a huge source of revenue for the IndyCar, you know, for IndyCar. Right. Um, But I don't think that's the whole point. The whole point is not to raise revenue for IndyCar by charging money for Uh, the franchise. I'm not saying saying that at all. And I think you probably don't charge them anything. But, you know, who who deserves to have that asset? If you you just said, okay, starting in 2022, uh, there's going to be everybody that's a full time team gets a, a franchise. I mean, is. Is Hunkos all of a sudden a franchise holder? Well, the way I would do it, given it all of uh, you know 15 seconds of thought here, the way I would do it is, uh, you know, I'm going to throw a number out there, 100 grand, right? 100 grand for Brian, okay? And IndyCar's pledge to you is, they're not, you know, once we get up to 30 or whatever, 28, pick a number, we're not selling anymore, okay? So. You know, if somebody wants in, that's fine, but they got to buy somebody else out beyond beyond the beyond the 28 or 26 or whatever whatever number you want to put out there. And like I said, I think immediately there's value brought to the existing team owners, uh, even though they're paying 100 grand. I mean, to me, they're paying 100 grand for the security of of not fighting a bunch of people. See, Carlin, as an example, they had nothing, right? They they there's there's no limit to the amount of teams that could come in. And take sponsors away from them. Potential sponsor was away from them, or whatever. And um, you know, if there was a limited field that you had to buy in a franchise, I mean, that immediately narrows like who can come in and take your potential sponsor. 
So in NASCAR, I think that there's a limit on how many franchises an individual car owner can have. That's sure. Not. Sure. The way I, again, the way I would do it is like, uh, okay, here we go. We started the 2022 season, right? Right around uh, Indy 500 time. It's all fairly established. Who's racing for the year and so forth. It's like, okay, everybody here is eligible to buy a franchise for a hundred grand. And that's the starting space. So if you have six cars, then you can buy six cars. Okay. You have, you know, if you have four, four times full-time cars, then you can have four full-time cars. The the little uh, the little fly in the ointment here is the 500, right? Because now you need 33 cars. You know, you'd have to address that issue too. I, it's hard to imagine a, an owner saying, "No, that's a terrible idea." Well, I mean, I'm just looking here at the teams, and I think you've got 25 solid programs next year. You know, you got a lot of older owners in the series, I guess. So, so do you want to be turning away younger blood right now? just because you want to create a franchise system. I mean, that's the most negative thing about it is it, it creates a higher barrier to entry. Uh, agreed. The offset of that is much stronger, which is you got much, much stronger existing teams. And look at, you, you mentioned it. Look at NASCAR. Look at Formula One. I mean, you don't have to wander too far to prove that. Um, well, and you're at the beginning of a three-year uh, TV contract. You're on the upswing. In your mind, does that make this the time to do it? Yeah. Obviously, if the series was really ailing terribly, uh, you, you know, it would be a terrible time to do it. But, you know, it seems like there's a, a bit of money out there right now. I don't, I don't think 100000 bucks per car is going to stress out to too many of the owners at this point, right? Especially right. since they're actually buying something. We'll let uh, Roger Penske and his minions uh, figure out the details. Let, light this candle. Make it happen. All right, Curb. I know this is actually your role to say it's time to wrap it up, but I'm going to have to do that for you, clearly. So uh, with that, we'll have to bid everybody adieu. Let's see. I doubt that we'll have another show before Thanksgiving. So I hope everybody has a good holiday, and uh, we'll be back probably in early December. All right. Good night, everybody. All right. Take care.